Hello and welcome to the Big Finish podcast. Hello, I'm Nick Briggs and drinking some tea or something is... Uh, Martin Montague, uh, one of the sound designers. So I would just explain that Martin and I are speaking to each other from uh, uh, different countries, aren't we? Yeah, I'm in Fermanagh, Northern Ireland at the moment, Ty. And I'm in London in England. I've heard of London. (laughs) I haven't heard of where you are (laughs) at all. I've heard of Northern Ireland, but that's all right. Um, and uh, we're recording in, in each country, and then Martin will send me the file, be edited together. It will sound almost like we're in the same room. Mm, almost. almost. Yeah, you're impressed by that. Anyway, listen, uh, in case you don't know anything about Big Finish, uh, those of you who are listening, uh, we are the purveyors of fine audio drama and audiobooks uh, about such things as Doctor Who, Blake Seven, Torchwood, Bernice Summerfield, Sherlock Holmes, The Avengers, Countermeasures, The Omen. Mega Factor, Survivors, Iris Wildtime, The Confessions of Dorian Gray, which last time I accidentally and didn't realise, called The Confections of Dorian <laughs> Gray. Uh, 2018, Dark Shadows, Terror Hawks, Night of the Triffids, Pathfinder Legends, Graceless Vienna, The Sigmund Freud Files, and The Prisoner. Yes. And, and what, anything I missed out, Martin? I usually ask Joe that. Oh, really? Uh, was I meant to be paying attention then? I'm sorry. <laughs> I really was. Clearly not. I was just trying right. to work out what my cat's doing because he's making an awful lot of noise on the landing. Oh, what was... So, I can't hear him. No, it, 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 I heard was a it... digging sound, which normally means there's about to be a deposit in the litter tray <laughs> on the landing. So, uh, nice. Something to look well, forward to later. We can just I don't think you missed anything out, no. That, thanks, mate. Cool. Coming up in this podcast, in a moment, the latest news from Big Finish, read by Martin Montague. He's very pleased about that. That'll be followed by emails from you, our lovely listeners, and they'll be read by Martin Montague as well. (laughs) Then it'll be time for our guest interview, which is with uh, my co-executive producer and boss, Jason Haig-Ellery. How about that, Martin? I've heard of Jason (laughs) Haig-Ellery. Yeah, good. In fact, I've met him. (laughs) and uh, he'll be saying things like this you know there's a sense of more people being able to provide me with information that makes decision making a lot easier I bet you never thought you'd hear him say that eh Martin? No I just oh blimey (laughs) I've lost (laughs) for words and then following that um, there'll be a randomly selected release from the Big Finish archives which Martin will select. He's got. He's now looking very confused. Uh, and then, um, just before I tell you what's coming up in the next podcast, we'll have a roundup of the latest releases, which Martin, you'll find on the file that's uh, in front of you. Mm. Yes, I will. I yes. would mention. No, I won't mention now what's in the next podcast. But I'm very excited about it. Let's just get on with this one. Okay, time for the news. Cue Martin. Oh, this is a bit where I, where I speak, is it? Get you on with me it. to do it in my old BBC newsreader's oh, voice. Oh, yeah, do it in the newsreader voice. Yeah, uh, Here's the news. Rufus Hound comes to Doctor Who short trips as a meddling monk. Uh, no, yes, you may have heard of Rufus Hound. And he was on uh, the telly box, wasn't he, in the last uh, season with um, Peter Capaldi? He was, wasn't he? That's right. Is that what you call it in Ireland, the telly yeah, the box? The box. <laughs> so we do. Yeah. So anyway, he's returning to his role of the the meddling monk, uh, which he uh, appeared in in. Um, oh, you've put me on the spot now. I can't remember which release it was now. No. But it was very good. Yes. And uh, so yes, so he's in. Uh, he's the star of our first short trip special, portraying the monk in July's Doctor Who: The Blame Game by Ian Atkins, who. Uh, listeners may have heard of and and featuring the third Doctor on this show the story sees the monk appear in Unit HQ with a very tempting offer for his old enemy and the monk will also feature in 2017's Doctor Who How to Win Planets and Influence People by James Goss Uh, that one is a fourth Doctor Sarah Jane and Harry story where the monk makes a case for invading the Earth to the powerful Darkon Corporation Mm -hmm. I hope I've pronounced that correctly so do I. Mm. 
Other upcoming short trips include August Doctor Who Damascus by Jonathan Barnes, uh, more commonly known for his um, Sherlock Holmes range for Big Finish, of course. Now, that one's read by Trim Trelaw, who does um, a much. Tim Trelaw, I think you meant. Did I say. What did I say? You said Trim Trelaw. Did I say. Well, he's had a haircut. (laughs) Uh, So, uh, yes, so this one is the third Doctor. Uh, Yes, because he does a very good um, uh, impression. As opposed to impersonation of uh, John Pertwee, doesn't he? He does a good third Doctor, yeah. Mm. It's sort of John Pertwee, and so, yeah, yeah. We like it, and lots of other people do, too. Hello, is anyone there? Can you hear me? Over. Right, yes. Uh, Now, this one, uh, yes, so the third Doctor encounters Britain's Prime Minister in that. That's an interesting one, isn't it? I'm curious to know where, um, which sort of Doctor Who timeline they're taking with the vague references to who's in charge of the the country during the Yeah, evening. well, there you go. Just read out what's in front of you. All right, I will do. Uh, Matthew Waterhouse <laughs> returns as Adric in Joseph Lister's uh, Doctor Who A Full Life, available in September. Uh, oh, actually, I've been sorting out some of the sound design for that today. Uh, for uh-huh. whoever, whoever's doing this. No, I'm not doing the sound design. I was helping the sound designer out with some effects. You are very uh, helpful. Uh, Nicola Bryant returns as Perry in a Doctor Who Rulebook by Tony Jones. That one's out in October. Uh, what else do you need to know? Dark Shadows? You want to hear about Dark Shadows? Yeah, go on. Okay. Uh, Dark Shadows, uh, Blood and Fire, there are new details announced. Celebrating 50 years, would you believe, of the iconic soap opera and 10 years since it began at Big Finish. Is it really that long already? Yeah, incredible, isn't it? Dark Shadows, Blood and Fire by Roy Gill is due for release in June. The first set of cast announcements include uh, Lara Parker as Angelique, Catherine Lee Scott as Patience Collins, Mitchell Ryan as Caleb Collins, Andrew Collins as Joshua Collins. There's not a lot of Collinses here. That's a whole Collins invasion. Is that Andrew Collins as in Andrew Collins, the broadcaster Andrew Collins? I don't know. Okay. Uh, Daisy Torme, I hope that's pronounced correctly, is Abigail Collins. James Storm plays Abraham Harkaway with Jerry Lacey as Malachi Sands. John Carlin Malachi, as Malachi, Al- I would say. Malachi. Yeah. Sorry, I've got all local. I've got native over here. Um, John Carlin as Alfred Loomis, Lisa Richards as Euphemia Spencer Stockbridge, and Christopher Pennock as Uriah Spencer Stockbridge. That's very cruel to get you to read this out with all those names. I am sight reading in. this. I yeah. <laughs> the anniversary special will be followed later in 2016 with the release of Dark Shadows Bloodline, a new 13-part miniseries. Now, uh, now, I've seen people talking on Twitter and Facebook about this. There's a, a new version of the Big Finish app available now for Apple devices. The new feature includes search and filter options on all your releases, chapter browsing, sleep timer, multiple titles, downloading at once, and a brand new interface. Just Apple devices for the moment, but uh, apparently there's work on an Android update. That's uh, work on that starting at the minute. Just now, and yes. Big finish, of course, is after suggestions and feedback. So you can drop us a line at this address, inquiries at bigfinish.com. Now, let's have some good news. I mean, that is all good news, but let's have some more good news. Uh, the Scribe Awards. Uh, this is a, a, a big um, uh, award ceremony that recognises um, writers. Uh, is it just writers in the audio medium? No, writers in all in sorts general. of media, okay, cool. I believe. Yeah, but certainly for audio. Well, there's five big Finnish productions which have been nominated in the International Association of Media Tie-In Writers Scribe Awards 2016. That's a very long sentence. Of all sweep of the awards categories... Um, a full sweep of the awards categories. <laughs> it was full sweep of the awards category. Have Exclamation mark. Have you got a brush there? Oh, <laughs> you're sweeping. Um, Dark Shadows Bloodlust by Alan Flanagan, Will Howes and Joseph Lister. Dark Shadows in the Twinkling of an Eye by Penelope Faith. Doctor Who the Red Lady by John Dorney. And that's part of the Doctor Who Doom Coalition 1 box set. Doctor Who Damaged Goods by Jonathan Morris, of course based on the novel by Russell T. Davis. Pathfinder Legends Mummy's Mask Empty Graves by Kevin Scott. I did the sound design on that and it mm. nearly killed me. <laughs> and um, it was relentless. If anyone's heard it, they'll know how relentless it is. It's just lots of people getting stabbed, running around, stabbed, zombies emerging and... Yeah, oh, but, we but, love it. Oh. And uh, yes, um, and do you want to hear about recent releases? 
Yeah, go on. All right, then. Uh, both Blake 7, Liberator Chronicles 12, and Doctor Who's short trips, The Curse of the Fugue, have been released. And, uh, yes, Blake 7, uh, Volume 12, I did the sound design on that, and I have to say, it was an absolute joy. Uh, particularly the two scripts by Guy Adams. He's uh, he's doing a lot for Big Finish at the moment. He is. He? He's great, isn't he? We've we found him, and we're bleeding him dry. Hmm. <laughs> And he's, he's recently bought a book off me. There we go. But I, oh, that's I, all right. Then. It's a very dull story, but I, I, in clearing out my, my uh, book collection, I realised I got two copies of God Engine and two copies of Christmas on a Rational Planet, the old Virgin New Adventures books. And oh. um, so I haggled, uh, did a bit of haggling for, for how much I was going to get off him, and uh, he ended up giving me more money than he should have done. And then he just went, oh, there we'll have it. That's a very dull story. But no, Blake 7, the Rage of Chronicles, I have to say. That never he, stops us on the podcast, yeah. <laughs> uh, he, uh, it, it, the, the characterisation he got, uh, particularly for, for Tarrant and Villa, is absolutely spot on. And it was just uh, you know, a joy to hear. And, of course, Stephen Pacey playing Tarrant, he's such a professional. He does so many audio books. And mm-hmm. I think he did pretty much all of it in one take. Uh, he was great, and he does a very good um, uh, impression of the other character. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Oh, I know he does a frighteningly fantastic. good Avon, doesn't he? Yeah. So that's the news. That was the news. Yeah. Okay, time now for some listeners' emails. Is that me again? Yes, go for it. Right. Um, hi, Nick. Uh, I write to you with an interesting quandary. Oh, uh, this is from Sam Geedon, who I've met many times. Hello, oh, Sam. Really? Yeah. Okay. He's going to film school, you know. Oh, very good. Yeah, I uh, told him I have to be in his first student film. <laughs> okay, fair news. Uh, now, he says, I pledged to have a big finish dry month because uh, I found that I have in excess of 50 hours of audio to listen to. Blimey. You guys have really monopolised my leisure time, and like any good addict, I'm only slightly admitting that I have a problem. <laughs> Hmm. The Dark Eye Saga is my latest piece of listening material. I rather enjoyed that myself. And I have to ask, what persuaded you, Gary Russell, J.H.E., uh, Jason Haygetter, at the time to give the Eighth Doctor his own range to cut down his stories from two hours to one hour? I suppose what he's talking about there is rather than having a a two-disc release, one-disc release. And most recently, what drives the continued approach to give him series box sets? while other Doctors have more loose story arcs? Oh, well, I'll answer that first. I mm. mean, uh, it was Jason Hay-Gallery and I who uh, did the first series where the stories went down to an hour, and they were done, really, because of uh, Radio 7, as it was then, where you used to work. Well, I've heard uh, of Radio 7, yes. <laughs> <laughs> or BBC 7, as it was called then, and then they yeah. call it Radio 7, and now it's Radio 4 Extra. Mm-hmm. I don't know what it's going to be called next week. Um, and um, Pardon <laughs> Brian. <laughs> Brian, yes, yeah. that, that's good, good, I like it. Um, uh, and they wanted some stories, we sort of tailor-made them for them. Um, they, they weren't commissioned, but we it was a sort of pre-purchase, so... Uh, yeah, so that's why that happened, and, we've, and then we stuck with that for quite a while, and then we just liked the idea of going into these epic storylines, and it seems to be working well. And so if it ain't broke, don't pink sheet, is my motto. He continues, what? Oh, right. so he continues in his email, I, I could probably pick your brains all day, so I'll try to limit myself. Uh, I, I look forward to seeing what you do with The Prisoner, and I wonder how you'll tackle the challenge of adapting many happy returns to audio, if you ever do. I often joke that I've got an audio addiction problem, and while I've spent more money than I care to admit, I'm brought back to big to big finish not strictly because of doctor who or anything specific but because you guys do make incredible stories stories that be it doctor who or the prisoner or the drama showcase just capture my imagination so much so that i'm actually on the cusp of finishing my first full-length original audio script in which your prisoner scripts were invaluable in helping me format Seriously, keep up the great work. It's a privilege to know you in the small capacity that I do, and I look forward to what Big Finish has to offer in the future, especially the Two Masters saga. Yes. Thanks, Thanks Sam. Coming there was a question in... in there, wasn't there? Yes, there was a question. What was the question? Oh, how, how, if Many I happy would... returns. Many Are you planning returns. to adapt that? 
Well, I can't possibly say, but I, uh, because I haven't um, uh, submitted stuff to ITV for approval yet, and so I can't... Uh, but, yeah, were I to adapt that, I would have a lot of fun doing it and have many ideas of how I might do it. Ooh, he said, giving a little bit away. For anyone who doesn't know, what is the plot for Many Happy Returns, then? Oh, Many Happy Returns is when um, the prisoner uh, manages to escape and he the first 25 minutes of the episode is him just escaping and there's no dialogue <laughs> so there you have it do you see how that might not work on audio yeah. well funny enough there was a, a half hour radio play uh, written by oh. uh, manuel himself andrew Sachs, which uh, contained no dialogue whatsoever it was all sound effects yeah mm. it made for an interesting listen actually yeah. yes that wouldn't be my plan but okay. uh, but yeah it's, I, I firmly believe you can do anything on audio stroke radio. It's, you know, if you, there's always a way, and, and it unlocks all sorts of interesting potential. I think. I was fine. Mine falls a bit flat, though. <laughs> well, I did have the, the Virons, uh, uh, who I introduced to the Doctor Who main range. The original idea for them is that they used sign language. <laughs> anyway, we'll move swiftly on. On to the next email, please, Martin. Uh, so this one is I uh, apologies if I get the pronunciation wrong. Javier Vasquez. I think that's um, a pretty good pronunciation. Better than Joe would manage. <laughs> I couldn't comment. Hey there, <laughs> Nick Cataloger Prink Briggs. Does that mean anything to you? No. Uh, it's a character from the um, the the genocide machine, the first Dalek story we did. Uh, and there's a character written by Mike Tucker and there's a character called Cataloger Prink who doesn't speak throughout the entire story and you just hear him draw breath He'd, and his uh, boss keeps uh, talking all over him I know what you're going to say you've never shut up at all this and he keeps going <gasps> and then he just has a line near the end of the story where he goes I hate you or something like that anyway uh, carry on very good uh, so I hope I'm not interrupting anything important. No, no we're just we are doing a podcast. A chin here. Uh, besides wanting to congratulate Big Finish for their recent tortured and War Doctor ranges, I'd like to ask you a couple of questions. Uh, so, uh, first of all, uh, are there any plans for the lovely Lisa Greenwood to return as the lovely Flip Jackson? Yes. Okay. Feel free to elaborate on your no. answer. Okay. Don't uh, feel free. <laughs> uh, so question two, uh, what would you say has been the most gratifying interview you've conducted since the company started? Possibly the interview that features in the next podcast, which I'll tell you about later. Ooh, and blimey. with Flip Jackson, you know, of course we have to have Lisa back. She's brilliant. I love her. And, and I love the fact, and I'm always repeating this story. She, she's a companion of the sixth doctor, for those of you who don't know. And uh, she's a London girl, and so is Lisa Greenwood. And the thing I said about her in the extras, and unfortunately she listened to it and tweeted me about it and said something like, cheek. <laughs> I, said, uh, I said, you know, Lisa's incredible because she's so real. Uh, she, um, she's just, uh, I said, she can do so many things with her character that you just couldn't get anyone to do if they didn't just do it naturally and instinctively i said but if you find something that lisa doesn't understand there is no power on earth that can explain it to her <laughs> <laughs> she just says i don't get it i don't get it <laughs> and there we are i've repeated that story let's hope she doesn't listen to the podcast as well as the cd extras Ooh, you're in trouble uh, so that one was says uh, yeah many thanks in advance from spain and praise for your amazing work a fan and customer that's hey, nice, isn't it? That's nice. Right. Um, now, the next one uh, from uh, from Tim, uh, addressed to Cavan and Nick. Great mm. podcast and interview. Don't fret about recasting Gan. This is a Blake 7 related yes, email. Yes, it is, yeah, because I interviewed Cav about Blake 7. Mm, I listened to that, yes. Uh, you already recast Zen and Orac, so fans should already be prepared for it. Plus, with the best will in the world, not everyone in the remaining cast sounds the same 35 years down the line as it is. And this way we'll get more Stephen Greif, Travis, hopefully. Uh, keep up the good work, and I'm crossing fingers that getting Gisette Simon involved in other big finished productions of late means she might be tempted to reprise, reprise Dana too. She is Tim. Uh, yes, um, of course, when we're talking about Blake Seven, we can't not mention the tragic death of Gareth Thomas, which I was deeply 
saddened about. We just received the news uh, this week, but uh, this podcast will go out uh, the following week. Very, very sad indeed uh, uh, that Gareth isn't around. I had fan- a fantastic time working with him on Dardic Empire years ago. Very sorry to see, to hear the n- very sad news. Um, Gisette Simon, I would say it's unlikely she'll ever do Blake 7. She's happy to work for us in any other context, but she'd rather not do Blake 7. There you go. Sad mm. but true. Okay, one uh, last email is this? Yeah. Uh, mm, uh, so uh, this one comes from, from Ben and addressed to Benjamin Follis. No, it's from Benjamin Follis. <laughs> Address. <laughs> I'm tired. <laughs> it's a, hello there, Mr. Briggs, sir. Oh, calls you, mm, sir. Well, there yeah. we go. Well, you uh, didn't know you would be. Agitating here, my molecules is a question I have long wondered about. Okay, fair enough. That's what I keep asking people in all the interviews. What's agitating your molecules at the moment? What are you enjoying? Oh, I say so. Or the, tingling. The, yes. I've been saying tingling recently. So the, uh, the so the, the question that's coming up is what's been agitating his molecules as opposed to agitating his molecules being a question. Right. <laughs> I understand the email now. Right. Phew. Anyway, moving on. But whoa. <laughs> you I just, just, you just wrote your microphone. Yeah, there may be a big thump in the middle there. That's me dropping my recorder. Uh, maybe it's a daft question. Well, we'll be the judge of that, I think. Uh, maybe you can tell me. Well, again, uh, is there a reason that the music from the opening credits of Doctor Who, the TV movie starring Paul McGann, has never been used in any of his audio adventures? Maybe it's too long. Also, I love the Crash Bang Wallop music that was made for the All right, you're, 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 oh, right. Uh, yeah. I'm pausing okay. for dramatic effect. Okay. Oh, yeah. Well, um, uh, yeah, I mean, it's just... Uh, um, uh, Gary Russell decided that he wanted a new theme for our stuff for the the Eighth Doctor Adventures, and um, yeah, and I suppose it's an it's a rights issue as well, um, but I don't know the details of that. The Crash Bang Wallop music that was uh, made for the introduction of the Eighth Doctor Adventures with Mary Shelley. Mm. Um, Jamie that was Robertson done, did that. Jamie Robertson. Yeah, he, yeah. he he said, "Oh, I want to do something that's a bit like the theme from the TV movie, but a sort of." A sort of development of it and um and so that i don't know whether if we do mary shelley again then yes i would like to do some stories with mary shelley again and he uh, Ma- martin martin's incapable of speech now so he says right time to download doom coalition to bring on the excitement yee-haw okay and i've just discovered can the i next ask you e- a question myself actually well just about just about music there because it's um with the sylvester mccoy range you're getting ever closer to uh, the the latter part of the Seventh Doctor's life towards the TV movie. Mm. Had you thought of doing a new theme for the Sylvester McCoy range to kind of match in with the style of the TV movie and, and moving away from the 1980s style mm. theme? Um, not sure about that. It's a very interesting point. I mean, of course, we had a different theme for him for Damaged Goods. Yes, Howard Carter. Uh, yeah, so we there. could yeah. start using that. I don't know. That's an interesting point. Do if you have an opinion on that, do write in at podcast at bigfinish dot com. And of course, mm. if there are any things you want to ask us or tell us about, podcast at bigfinish dot com is the address. Uh, Martin, are you happy for me to move on now? I am. Yeah. Oh, good. Well, that's the end of the listeners' emails. Yay. time now uh, for us to go over to our star interview and of course the star is none other than uh, Jason Hay Gallery co-executive producer and owner chairman and supremo of Big Finish Productions there's no need to choke Martin <laughs> okay so here we are at a secret uh, um, London location talking to Jason Hay Gallery hello Jason hello and that's all we have time for. <laughs> so I don't know. You know, it's ages since you've done an interview on a podcast. Isn't it, it is. I think it was one of the Christmas ones, and it's got to be. I say, I think it's three years ago because uh, the last two Christmas um, uh, parties you had, I was in Los Angeles both times. And in fact, on one of them, I actually phoned in, for, uh, well, skyped in from Los Angeles, and on the other one. Uh, I don't think I was up in time. So, <laughs> so basically, um, I haven't I haven't been in a podcast for a very long time. No. 
so I don't know what we can explain to people because mm. every they all know your name and yes. they see your name at the bottom of every, bottom of everything to do with Big Finish with my name as well. What? How would you explain your role to people? <laughs> um, uh, I'm the guy who says yes. Um, I very rarely get the opportunity to say no because um, everyone puts forward such good ideas and such good reasons why I should do it. I've got a meeting with. David Richardson at five o'clock actually after this uh, in which he's probably going to make me say yes about five times and no once um, so my job is actually to make sure that the brilliant wonderful ideas that people have are financially viable um, and and it's it is slightly opinion based and I have been persuaded to do stuff in the past that I don't necessarily want to do because it's what everyone else wants to do. But um, um, my, no, that's my job basically to to steer the company. There's an awful lot. I mean, we do have quite a lot of meetings where all the different people involved in Big Finish get together. Probably not as many meetings as we should mm. have, but. Uh, there's an awful, I, I allude to it occasionally and say, oh, there's all sorts of grown-up stuff to do. How, yes. how would you describe <laughs> that stuff? Um, yeah. Um, without boring us both Without boring death. us to death. Yeah, there's the grown-up stuff and actually making sure there's enough money oh, yeah. in the bank account. Um, that's the responsible thing to do. Um, and there's the... Uh, no, it's, it's, a, it's, it's not really... I, do you know what the thing is? I have a, a number of companies... It sounds like I'm bragging there, but I do. I have a number of companies. They do so many different things. And actually, when you talk about Big Finish, it's actually one of the fun things I do. It's um, one of the things which I have the most fun doing. Um, the entertainment... There we go. There's a creature in the background screaming at us. Um, I think that was some sort of coffee. I think it's a coffee percolator, yeah. Um, it's um, you know I don't think of it as a grown-up company in some respects we're still all kids playing together and um, to some extent it's my job to just marshal the troops and make sure we're all heading in the right direction and that we take um, account of what um, uh, of everyone else's opinions and I, I act as the chairman you know when we have a big meeting we all sit around and we all chat and very occasionally I'll tell someone off if they're talking at the same time because you should you should which is me being a um, little bit of a teacher now and again doing that um, but in in general you know it's about the creativity at Big Finish and making sure it's steered in the right direction. How do you think the company has changed over the years? Well, it started off as a hobby, let's face it. And it, there was uh, myself and Gary Russell, um, and, uh, and I know you were involved as well with regard to um, directing and producing to start with. Um, but basically, Gary came to me and said, would you like to run this company? And I said, yes. Uh, well, actually, I've already got a company um, that's sitting there doing nothing. Um, and he said, great, we'll use that. And then he said, right, now we've got to go to the BBC and do this and, and so on. And you tend to forget now that um, Big Finish was going to produce six productions a year for three years. Um, and that was going to be it. And we thought we might be able to get away with that. Um, that we would get 18 productions out there and we would be delighted with that. Um, there's a certain amount of irony in that, in that um, w this year David corrected me. I thought we were going to have like 140 productions this year, and David came back and said, no, there's 240. Yeah. And I was like, what? how did we get to the position where we're doing 240 productions per year? That's a lot. Oh, no. Yeah. It's good, though. It's very good, <laughs> yeah. And sometimes, you know, people have their own personal projects. Um, people love certain... Well, you've, you've got that with The Prisoner. Mm -hmm. uh, we're very aware of that. Um, this is now a running joke. Um, with David, uh, David Richardson, his personal love is Jago and Lightfoot. And he will fight um, with all of his might to ensure they get another series, which is quite ironic, actually, because I just make, I make him suffer a little bit. But I'm always going to recommission it. He doesn't listen I to know, the podcast. That's, that's, fine, that's, that's fine. That's fine. Um, I, I'm always going to recommission it because I love well, it. Countermeasures so much is another one. Of yes, yeah, absolutely. But he will, I will make him go through the process of going. Oh, please! You know. yeah, and don't, never make it too easy. Don't make it too easy. No. What, um, um, what mm. do you? I mean, we've talked about how things have, uh, you know, increased. What we do is yes. what, what's the future for Big Finish? I mean, I don't know the answer. Are we just making it up as we go along? Um, I think actually we're starting. I think since we've 
taken on more management staff with Sue Cowley joining us with Chris Griffin um, he Ian does marketing yeah. he does the marketing etc and and Ian and 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 Joe in the office as well and you know there's a sense of more people being able to provide me with information that makes decision making a lot easier and that has led to us having a more structured future I think I mean Sue came having done literally 30 years at the BBC practically I think it was 27 years she did and um, you know she she creates spreadsheets and and flowcharts and and has this proper adult discussions about what we should be doing next and you know it's going to affect us and it's going to make us um, you know go forward but you know we're all going to be kids at heart still we're not uh, we're not um, we're not grown-ups yet I don't think well, I hope not. And um, what is particularly uh, tingling your molecules, uh, big finish-wise, at the moment? Uh, you know that you've been listening to because I know you listen to an awful lot of it, if not all of it. Well, I don't. I, you know, I wish I did listen to all of it because I don't have the chance. So, to be honest with you, I've just finished the second War Doctor box set, which was brilliant. Uh, I've loved what you've done with the War Doctor so far. Um, I'm very intrigued to find out what happens in the next um, six releases. Um, but actually, uh, I think um, it's some of the, it's some of, it, some of the smaller series really excite me. Things like Graceless. Um, I think there's a there's a. I'm very glad we do things like Iris Wild Time, for example, which is, you know, more of a, a comedy series, something a bit different. Um, and um, what, was the, what was I listening to the other day which I really enjoyed? Oh, do you know what? I went back and I was listening to Arrangements for War um, because um, it, it came up uh, we've, we've obviously That's lost... the main rage one with Colin Baker and, and Maggie, Stables. Maggie Stables. And the reason I was listening to it was Maggie Stables um, because she had come to mind um, because we, we ran a um, a tribute promotion to Maggie a couple of weeks ago and I found myself with the um, with the app and I was going up and down I thought oh arrangements for war I'll listen to that and I listened to that while in my hotel room in Australia uh, last week and um, I was just really bowled over that um, we've been doing this for so long actually that's what made me think because that was relatively early on in the, the run and you know, all these years later, 10 years later, we're still 10, 12 years later after doing that, we're still here and we're still producing great new material. And that's the most amazing thing about Doctor Who. It doesn't get boring and it, it has a new, um, there's a new way t of telling a story created all the time and new ways to think about telling a story. And, um, you know, I'm, I'm always excited to see what we come up with. Sometimes it's things that I've suggested. Um, often it's brought in by the individual producer um, and they work through it and develop the idea. Um, I think... Um, oh, what was I thinking? Oh, yeah, no, I was, I was thinking about Blake Seven the other day as well and how great those stories have been. I'm really looking forward to the next season of Full Cast. Um, you know, we're very lucky. If you go through through what we've actually done over the years, we've we've ticked a lot of boxes. There are still some series which we talk about constantly, which we'd love to do, um, and there's some series which I know would be legally very impossible to do. <laughs> but one of these days, who knows? Yeah, um, it's funny. But when you mention arrangements for war, mm. when that was released, we had no sense that we'd only just started. We thought we'd been doing it oh, for yeah, ages no, then. And to think back and it's so yeah, long yeah. ago now. It is it? so long ago. And, you know, very sadly, you know, we're starting to be in a position where actors who've worked with us, because we've been going for, this is coming up on our, well, it'd be 18 years since we started Bernie Summerfield this year, uh, which is ridiculous. Um, <laughs> but, uh, you know, we'll be heading towards our 20th anniversary before we know it. Um, and the, the reality is that unfortunately a number, is that for you? Yeah, I'll yeah. just go and get it. Uh, unfortunately, uh, a number of the actors we've worked with are no longer with us, yeah. you know, and, um, and it is very sad when that happens, but it just shows how long we've been around, I suppose. Yeah. 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 Um, 
You mentioned there about being in Australia. I suppose you better explain why you were in Australia. Ah, well, um, I own um, an animation house in s- just outside Sydney in Australia, which sound as, sounds as ridiculous uh, when I say it as when I thought about it, um, because I had no intention of owning an animation house, but it started off as an investment, and then over a period of time, I ended up owning it. Um, and... Basically, we've been doing a 26-part, 22-minute animation series for ABC, um, which is starting... Australian Broadcasting Corporation. And uh, that starts broadcasting in September. Um, And the series itself is brilliant. Um, It's been... um, uh, I've created the series, but uh, it's been uh, exec produced by Gary Russell. Uh, who obviously worked for Big Finish for a very long time, uh, still does, um, and also um, left us to go and join Russell T. Davis and scripts edit Doctor Who and Torchwood and Sarah Jane. Um, and it's it's wonderful working with Gary again um, because we have a, a, a great shorthand. Um, but he's created something out, out of my original creation he's developed it and created a series which is so far in advance of what I thought it would be which is wonderful um, and the scripts are amazing and the animation is amazing I'm so looking forward to people getting to see it to be honest um, when are people going to get to see it? well it starts broadcasting in Australia in September on ABC3 um, and we are selling it around the world at the moment um, we'll probably sell most of it in October at MIP uh, which is a, a meeting of of all the big uh, television um, producers and broadcasters um, and then hopefully we will move on to do a second and third series at some point but um, it's it is a uh, it is fascinating you know um, audio takes a period of time people don't realize that the the editing of audio productions may take six weeks for for a double production and so forth a double or, disc- longer. or longer <laughs> um, but in comparison that's nothing uh, this 26 part series for animation has taken two and a half years um, a very long two and a half years at times um, but it's fantastic and it's, it is brilliant and um, I can't wait for everyone to pe- see it Yeah. Um, also talking of tingling of your molecules mm. earlier on, this is what I ask everyone I interview, mm. I've asked, I ask you about what's tingling your molecules in terms of big finish, it started with agitating it's turned into tingling, <laughs> I don't know what that says about me um, what about generally in entertainment you know, on television or movies or uh, theatre or anything um, you like. That, you know. Yeah, well, uh, theatre-wise, um, I went, went to see Nell Gwynn last couple of weeks ago. That was magnificent. That was really good. Really enjoyed that. Um, I think um, we should set an agenda to try and get Gemma Arterton to come and work for us at some point. Because she's brilliant. Yeah, I um, love that. Yeah, she's, she's, br- yeah, she's a, a brilliant actress. Work, yeah, yeah. Um, She's just got such a manner about her. Um, which is so truthful, even though she's very playful with it. Anyway, um, and uh, I, yes, I went to see Hand, uh, Hand to God as well, which, um, um, which stars Jemima Rupa and, um, it's gone out of my head, the other Someone woman. Someone else. Janie D. Oh, Janie, Janie D. D. There you go. Who's wonderful. Um, and um, that's really good. If you get a chance to see that, I'd re- severely recommend it to Doctor Who fans. Oh, yes, it's surreal. Uh, yes, he's, he's got a puppet on his arm, yes. hasn't he? Yeah, and it, right. it, it takes over him. It's, it's a cross between the demons and, um, and uh, I suppose, uh, image of the Fendal, if the Fendal was actually a sock puppet. Brilliant. Uh, that's the way to explain to a Doctor Who fan. Right, that's um, what we're going to do with the Fendal. <laughs> yeah, okay. the we should have sock puppets in the, in the studio. That would work. Um, but um, what about TV? TV. Uh, I'm uh, I'm working my way through Black Sails at the moment. Oh, that's the pirate thing. Yeah, with Toby Stevens. Yes, absolutely. Which is brilliant, but not really for under 16s. Um, a little bit of swearing in that. A little bit of of debauchery as well. Disgraceful. Um, is that where, where can people get that? That's that? on, well, I've got Amazon Prime. Right. So just reading through that. Can you also buy it on iTunes? Do you think? Yes. Yeah. Yes, okay. you can. Yeah. Absolutely. I like to let people know where they can catch oh, yeah, up with these absolutely. things. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. And um, I finally got round to the first series of Blacklist. Blacklist. What's that? Which is um, an American TV show starring 
I want to say James Spader, but it's not. God, who is it? It might be James Spader. Anyway, it's um, it's a it's about CIA initiatives and about a guy who turns over uh, a list of villains that he can help them catch. So he's a criminal himself, uh, etc. So it's it's a good, it's it's got a slight alias vibe about it. Um, and uh, what was the other thing I've been looking at recently? Scarily enough, I was um, I, I travel. I fly a lot and uh, when you're on a plane you obviously don't get the internet and sometimes you've looked at everything on the um, <coughs> on the um, on the films that, that's available yeah. on the entertainment system so um, I uh, I have a number of films on there I scarily enough realised that near enough 50% of the films I have on my iPad starred Matt Damon <laughs> what, what, what are you trying to tell us? I don't know <laughs> Are you a member of his fan club? I must be. He's a very good actor. He's a very good actor. It's usually, I mean, uh, I may be treading into terrible territory here, but I can't off the offhand think of a film he's been in that's been rubbish. It's usually a sign of good quality, isn't it? There was a comedy he did <laughs> with where he played a, a, um, a Siamese twin. Right, I didn't. Which was the Ferelli brothers, which apparently wasn't that good. Okay. But um, I'm sure he was good, though. I'm hey. sure he was brilliant in it. Um, but uh, no, I just uh, um, I, I keep on watching The Martian over Do and you? over again. It's a brilliant film. I loved it. Okay. Okay, you don't. Okay. Well, I, I, found, I watched it on a sort of on-demand service mm. in my flat, and I did find I kept finding myself in another room. <laughs> and I thought, oh god I'm, I'm watching that thing I've just paid for <laughs> and I keep forgetting to wa watch it oh. so but that was that was in the middle but I, I mm. thoroughly enjoyed the ending I, I've yes. got to give it another chance yeah it is yeah. a very good film and uh, um, I think um, Behind the Candelabra as well which he stars in with mm, Michael Douglas Liberace thing, yes yeah. which he's very good in and that's a very good story as well um, and uh, funny enough, total aside, um, I was the the last time I was totally starstruck was when I met Kirk Douglas, his father. Oh wow! And he's in his nineties, and he was at um, I would I'd been invited because a friend of mine was direct. This is all very random, but a friend of mine was directing the L.A. Opera. Right. And he said, um, are you going to be in Los Angeles during this period of time? I said, yes, I am. And he said, great, come to the opera. And I went, great. So I went and sat with him while he basically talks about all the performers on stage and what a complete person one person <laughs> was and what a complete <laughs> other thing the other track, He yes. totally did. He was, he was having really slating certain people, um, which was quite funny, where they were singing their, their, their hearts out. Um, and... Um, Literally, in front, uh, two, two seats down from me was Kirk Douglas. Right. And um, he, and at the end of the performance, everyone got up and left. But because he's quite old these days and he didn't want to go, he just sat in his seat and waited for everyone else to leave yeah. before he toddled out, as it were. So we were a bit like, oh, should we... Because um, he was on his own. And it was like, should we... Um, so are you all right? Yeah. You know. So we did. We interviewed and said, "Are oh, you all right?" He said, "Oh no, I'm fine. I'm fine. I just wanted everyone to leave, basically, so I can just go out on my own time." Fair enough. So we ended up chatting with him for a bit, and he was lovely and um, and such a legend as well. Yeah. And uh, and he's you know you look back at his films and oh he's amazing you know yeah. and he's such a he's still got that charisma yeah because you, know, you never that's... lose that I think. He's just a star. It's, uh, well, that's good news for us. We'll never lose our charisma. <laughs> I don't think we've had any, have we? <laughs> I, think, I think I've got um, about a tablespoonful, and I'm not entirely sure what you've got. But, uh, Thanks, mate. That's all right. Um, but uh, no, Amazing. that was... Uh, I was just watching him in Heroes, Heroes of Telemark. Oh, right. Uh, okay. uh, yeah. The other day, it was he's on the BBC. He's a bit crouched over now, but actually, I was amazed how short he is. Uh, because yeah. he's not a tall actor. Um, it was so because he was a circus performer, um, I believe, when he was younger, right. and um, so he did the uh, the trapeze, etc. So that's why he's so well built for a man in that era, if you see what I mean. Yeah. Now you're used to Schwarzenegger and and Stallone and and who else has come along recently, um, and they're all so well built, if yes. you see what I mean. Um, and a lot of actors spend half their lives in the gym, it seems, to get that actor look of beefcake as it were but um, that's where I've gone wrong that's where we've all gone wrong I think <laughs> um, 
but uh, no, he was he was fantastic. So tingling my um, what did you say? You were tingling your molecules. Your molecules. <laughs> Meeting Kirk Douglas tingled my molecules. That's out incredible. Yeah. Oh no, that's yeah. I'm quite envious. Yeah. Well, Jason, that's it. Thank God for that. That's it. Now all the noise is stopped. We we finished the. <laughs> <laughs> But uh, and nothing you'd like to add to say to our listeners who will be thrilled having finally heard you on a podcast oh, after God. quite some time. Uh, Apologising for being so boring. Um, <laughs> and uh, also thank you very much indeed for giving us so much support because we couldn't do it without you, which is bleeding obvious. Um, but um, it's, it's interesting that over the years um, we put up an offer and people immediately come and give us money. Um, and that's because they want to support us and want to support our work with Doctor Who. And um, if it wasn't for that, we, we wouldn't be able to do what we're doing. So um, thank you so much for all your support. Well, there you are. That's, that was Jason Hagen-Ellery talking to me in a secret location about all sorts of stuff. Um, I like the bit in the middle. Did you? Yeah, yeah. the middle is always good, isn't it? The end, I don't know. I'm in two minds about the end. Time now for a randomly selected thingy from the Big Finish archives. Okay, off the top of your head, Martin, recommend one you've particularly enjoyed either working on or listening to. It's entirely up to you, mate. Oh, this is going to sound terribly sycophantic, but I was talking about it the other day. One of my favourite Paul McGann uh, big Finish releases was Embrace the Darkness. Oh, thank you very much, which I wrote and directed. Mm. And I did find myself listening to it. Uh, it's, been, it's been a few years since I last re-listened to it, but it was one of those stories I thought would um, fit very well as a, as a TV adaptation. Actually, I think that I, it's a long time since I listened to it because it was during the David Tennant era on TV. I think probably around the time of when season four went out. And I thought that quite style-wise, it could quite easily have fit in the middle of that season somewhere. But I liked it. Hmm. It was an interesting experience for me because while we were recording it in Bristol, uh, uh, I was having relationship problems. <laughs> and also I had a car accident, the only car accident I've ever had. And my car, although it wasn't a dramatic smash, was written off. Uh, we were sitting in a traffic queue and a man uh, was on his phone approaching us in a van behind and just never thought of stopping <laughs> straight into the back of us and uh, we all had to go to hospital to be checked out for whiplash but we were all right but whiplash yeah it, can be nasty, yeah. yeah but we were okay actually but it just shunted the car to a degree that meant that it was just a write-off it was too you know too old <laughs> to be repaired so that's i have very mixed bittersweet memories of Embrace the Darkness but I am really really uh, pleased with how it came out I mean the post-production period was quite traumatic because Jim Mortimer who did the sound design and music um, when he started working on it decided that it was terrible and he phoned me up and he said you know this is rubbish it's awful and I want to cut most of episode one and I said well you can't <laughs> so he didn't and it, and then he ended up saying no no it's all right actually no no I, I quite like it now but yeah he was he was really it was quite demoralizing to start with but it all turned out okay i think some great performances in there and the end of episode one everyone talks about do you remember the end of episode one um is that the one with it's when she realises they've yeah, not yeah, got yeah, any yeah, yeah, eyes. Yeah, yeah, yes. yeah, yeah, yeah. Anyway, let's have a listen to the trailer for that. Mayday, Mayday. Recognition call 
can't see a thing. A planet with no sun and the lights go out. This is not good. Let's not panic, people. Ah! Hey. What are you doing over here? Who? Olenta? I haven't moved. But I... I felt something touch my arm. I... There's something in here with us. It's... No... Thank you, Martin. That's very sweet of you to recommend that. Please, sir, can I have a raise? <laughs> <laughs> if only no. that were down to me. Yeah. <laughs> okay, before I tell you about the next um, podcast, uh, time to just uh, let you know about the latest releases out from Big Finish now. Martin. Ah, yeah, well, of course, uh, Terrorhawk Series 2 uh, will be released Monday the 25th of April. That's today, I believe, yeah, in the, the, well. the time-travelling podcast nature in which we live. Uh, it's eight new stories from the Jerry Anderson classic series featuring the uh, murderous puppets of Zelda and 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 the dribbling one. Uh, um, I've forgotten the it was <laughs> a young star, a young star. Yes, I can't um, a super villain Nicholas Parsons uh, and a non-copyright infringing global rescue service. <laughs> and also one of the biggest one of the big finish what? God, read read that out. One of Big Finish's biggest finales ever. Yeah. One of the biggest big finish finales ever, I would say. Uh, also out is Pathfinder Legends Mummy's Mask The Slave Trenches of Hakatep that will be released on Wednesday the 27th uh, this one features Ramon Tikaram as Sky Pharaoh Hakatep preparing to invade Desert Kingdom Asarion Asirion oh. he, he's invading a desert kingdom somewhere <laughs> with his flying pyramid and undead armies I love his uh, radio voice because he it's he amazing, can actually do he does so many different accent he's, he's one of these voice actors i'm surprised he doesn't do more uh, voice work that than, than he does because he 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 manages to just subtly change his voice and he, he does sound completely different he is great isn't he i've just mm. been working am working on doing the music for survivors series four and he's in that as this quite intimidating character called theo mm. and he's so nice and yet perhaps not anyway thank you for that martin uh, time now to tell you what's coming up in the next podcast. We have uh, I interviewed uh, Frank Skinner when he came in to work with us. For those of you who don't know, Frank Skinner is a British comedian and actor. He also featured in Mummy on the Orient Express in the last series of Doctor Who and is a real Doctor Who fan. And it was a wonderful episode and he was great. He played Perkins, didn't he? I think it was the name of the character. Yes. And uh, and he is, you'll be surprised to hear, a huge fan of Big Finish. And he said some things like this. I regularly um, um, indulge in Big Finish. Yeah, I was um, on the train on the way in today, I was doing it. And all my travelling about is largely accompanied by, um, by Big Finish stuff. Yeah. How about that? Are you amazed that he said that? I was. That was uh, amazing. Okay, well, uh, time for us to say goodbye. Goodbye. That was a heartfelt goodbye from Martin Montague. Coming up in a moment, the next instalment of our serialisation of The Hound of the Baskervilles. Sherlock Holmes has decided to take Henry Baskerville's case after the death of his uncle apparently killed by a spectral hound but he sent dr watson off with henry to dartmoor to baskerville hall who knows what holmes is getting up to but watson and henry baskerville have just arrived at the hall A few minutes later, we had reached the lodge gates, 
a maze of fantastic tracery in wrought iron, with weather-bitten pillars on either side, blotched with lichens, and surmounted by the boar's heads of the Baskervilles. Through the gateway we passed into the avenue, where the wheels were again hushed amid the leaves, and the old trees shot their branches in a sombre tunnel over our heads. Baskerville shuddered as he looked up at the long, dark drive to where the house glimmered like a ghost at the farther end. Was it here? Uh, no. No. The yew alley is on the other side. It's no wonder my uncle felt as if trouble were coming on him in such a place as this. It's enough to scare any man. The avenue opened into a broad expanse of turf, and the house lay before us. In the fading light, I could see that the centre was a heavy block of building from which a porch projected. The whole front was draped in ivy, with a patch clipped bare here and there where a window broke through the dark veil. A dull light shone through these heavy mullioned windows, and from the high chimneys which rose from the steep high-angled roof there sprang a single black column of smoke. Welcome, Sir Henry. Welcome to Baskerville Hall. A tall man had stepped from the shadow of the porch to open the door of the wagonette. The figure of a woman was silhouetted against the yellow light of the hall. She came out and helped the man to hand down our bags. You don't mind my driving straight home, Sir Henry. My wife is expecting me. Surely you will stay and have some dinner? Uh, no, I must go. I shall probably find some work awaiting me. I would stay to show you over the house, but Barrymore will be a better guide than I. Goodbye. And never hesitate, night or day, to send for me if I can be of service. It's just as I imagined it. Is it not the very picture of an old family home? I saw his dark face lit up with a boyish enthusiasm as he gazed about him. The light beat upon him where he stood, but long shadows trailed down the walls and hung like a black canopy above him. Barrymore had returned from taking our luggage to our rooms. He stood in front of us now with the subdued manner of a well-trained servant. He was a remarkable-looking man, tall, handsome, with a square black beard and pale, distinguished features. You will find hot water in your rooms. My wife and I will be happy, Sir Henry, to stay with you until you have made your fresh arrangements. But you will understand that, under the new conditions, this house will require a considerable staff. Do you mean that your wife and you wish to leave? Only when it is quite convenient to you, sir. But your family have been with us for several generations, have they not? I should be sorry to begin my life here by breaking an old family connection. I feel that also, sir. And so does my wife. But to tell the truth, sir, we were both very much attached to Sir Charles, and his death gave us a shock and made these surroundings very painful to us. I fear that we shall never again be easy in our minds at Baskerville Hall. But what do you intend to do? I have no doubt, sir, that we shall succeed in establishing ourselves in some business. Sir Charles's generosity has given us the means to do so. And now, sir, perhaps I'd best show you to your rooms... After dinner, we retired early. But before we did so, Baskerville confided his feelings to me. It isn't a very cheerful place. I don't wonder that my uncle got a little jumpy if he lived here all alone in such a house as this. Perhaps things may seem more cheerful in the morning. Later, in my chamber, I drew aside the curtains before I went to bed and looked out from my window. It opened upon the grassy space which lay in front of the hall door. Beyond, two copses of trees moaned and swung in a rising wind. A half-moon broke through the rifts of racing clouds. In its cold light, I saw beyond the trees a broken fringe of rocks and the long, low curve of the melancholy moor. I find myself weary and yet wakeful, tossing restlessly from side to side, seeking for the sleep which would not come. 
Far away, a chiming clock struck out the quarters of the hours, but otherwise a deathly silence lay upon the old house. And then suddenly, in the very dead of the night, there came a sound to my ears, clear, resonant, and unmistakable. It was the sob of a woman, the muffled, strangling gasp of one who is torn by an uncontrollable sorrow. I sat up in bed and listened intently. The noise could not have been far away and was certainly in the house. For half an hour I waited with every nerve on the alert, but there came no other sound save the chiming clock and the rustle of the ivy on the wall. The fresh beauty of the following morning did something to efface from our minds the grim and grey impression which had been left upon both of us by our first experience of Baskerville Hall. As Sir Henry and I sat at breakfast, the sunlight flooded in through the high mullioned windows, throwing watery patches of colour from the coats of arms which covered them. The dark panelling glowed like bronze in the golden rays, and it was hard to realise that this was indeed the chamber which had struck such a gloom into our souls upon the evening before. I guess it is ourselves and not the house we have to blame. We were tired with our journey and chilled by our drive. Now we are fresh and well, so all is cheerful once more. And yet it was not entirely a question of imagination. Did you, for example, happen to hear someone, a woman, I think, sobbing in the night? Hmm. When I was half asleep, I fancied that I heard something of the sort. I waited quite a time, but there was no more of it, so I concluded that it was all a dream. I heard it distinctly, and I am sure that it was really the sob of a woman. Barrymore, can you account for our experience? There are only two women in the house, Sir Henry. One is the scullery maid, who sleeps in the other wing. The other is my wife, and I can answer for it that the sound could not have come from her. And yet he lied as he said it. For it chanced that after breakfast I met Mrs. Barrymore. She was a large, impassive, heavy-featured woman with a stern, set expression of mouth. But her tell-tale eyes were red and glanced at me from between swollen lids. It was she then who wept in the night. And if she did so, her husband must know it. Yet he had taken the obvious risk of discovery in declaring that it was not so. Why had he done this? And why did she weep so bitterly? Already round this pale-faced, handsome, black-bearded man there was gathering an atmosphere of mystery and of gloom. And it was he who had been the first to discover the body of Sir Charles. Was it possible that it was Barrymore, after all, whom we had seen in the cab in Regent Street? Obviously the first thing to do was to see the Grimpen Postmaster and find whether the test telegram had really been placed in Barrymore's own hands. Be the answer what it might, I should at least have something to report to Sherlock Holmes. Sir Henry had numerous papers to examine after breakfast, so I walked the four miles along the edge of the moor to the small grey hamlet of Grimpen. The postmaster, who was also the village grocer, had a clear recollection of the telegram. Certainly, sir. I had the telegram delivered to Mr. Barrymore exactly as directed. Into his own hands? Well, he was up in the loft at the time, so that I could not put it into his own hands, but I gave it into Mrs. Barrymore's hands, and she promised to deliver it at once. Did you see Mr. Barrymore? Uh, no, sir. I, I tell you, he was in the loft. Didn't he get the telegram? It seemed hopeless to pursue the inquiry any farther, but it was clear that in spite of Holmes's ruse, we had no proof that Barrymore had not been in London all the time. Suppose that the same man had been the last who had seen Sir Charles alive and the first to dog the new heir when he returned to England. What then? Was he the agent of others, or had he some sinister design of his own? What interest could he have in persecuting the Baskerville family? 
I thought of the strange warning clipped out of the leading article of the Times. Was that his work, or was it possibly the doing of someone who was bent upon counteracting his schemes? The only conceivable motive was that which had been suggested by Sir Henry, that if the family could be scared away, a comfortable and permanent home would be secured for the Barrymores. I prayed, as I walked back along the grey, lonely road, that my friend, Mr. Sherlock Holmes, might soon be freed from his preoccupations and able to come down to take this heavy burden of responsibility from my shoulders. Suddenly, my thoughts were interrupted by the sound of running feet behind me and by a voice which called me by name. Dr. Watson? Dr. Watson? 